The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Have your way in my life today. How many bless the Lord today? How many bless the Lord today? Glory to God, is he worthy? God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be blessed at all times. Amen. We want God to have his way, which means we got to get out of the way so that God can have his way. Glory to God. Not my will, but your will be done. Glory to God. Well, God bless you. Good morning. Amen. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Amen. How many was glad when they said unto you, let us go into the house of the Lord? Come on, somebody. There's healing in the house of the Lord. There's rejoicing in the house of the Lord. There's deliverance in the house of the Lord. Glory to God. Good things happen to the people of God in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure that I remind you to get a copy of the Money Matters newsletter. It's on the table in the floor. You make sure you pick up a copy. Uh, Darlene has done such a good job with that newsletter. Darlette, sorry, Darlette McCormick has done such a good job with that newsletter and, um, and representing the 90% ministry. And, and I've asked Darlette to, to, to uh, share with us on a Sunday morning, particularly to dealing with some end-of-life kind of things we need to do to set our houses in order. Amen. You, you know, tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. And so I've asked um, Darlette to we, we'll agree upon a date, and I'm going to have her share with us on a Sunday morning some practical things we all need to be giving our attention to. Amen. To make sure our house is in order. Amen. We are not here to stay. We are only pilgrims passing through. Amen. So you're not here to stay. You will leave here. But thank God you will come back here when the Lord rules and reigns and you want to be with him. I believe I will be with him. Amen. Amen. How many can say amen? I'm going to be with the Lord. Amen. You know, the psalm says, the heavens, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, God is made for man. So even though we'll be brought out of the earth, we will return to the earth when Jesus reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. So make sure you get a copy of that newsletter. It is so much good information, that newsletter. And uh, I guarantee you there'll be something in there you can use in a tangible way right away. Amen. So be sure to pick up a copy of the newsletter on your way out. So we thank God for those of you that are here in the sanctuary. Thank God for those of you watching by the, the live view. Amen. Um, to, to, this week is our last Wednesday off. Uh, our recess for Bible study will be over. And uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, first Wednesday in September, we will resume our Wednesday night Bible studies over Zoom. 
And uh, I'm believing God that that'll work out. If that didn't work out, we'll bring it in the building. And I want to bring it in the building as soon as we can. And, and so we're trusting God for that. Amen. So last week I talked to you about <clears throat> value-based decisions. And I want to continue to talk to you about value-based decisions. After God had delivered Israel out of Egypt, Israel came to a place after 40 years of wandering just because, just before they were crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, that land that flowed with milk and honey, God spoke these words to Moses, and Moses in turn spoke them to the people of God. God is getting them ready to walk in the inheritance. He's getting them ready to possess the blessing. So God said these words to Moses to say to Israel, he said, I call, this is Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verse 19, God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, choose life, that you and your descendants may live. Now, another way to look at this, when God says, I've set before you choices, I've set before you decisions to make, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, make a value-based decision. If you really value life, then you will choose life. If you really value blessings, you will choose blessings. Can you say amen? Now, God says heaven, I'm calling heaven and earth as a witness against you. No matter what decision you make, heaven witnesses that decision. The earth witnesses that decision. How many have been in a situation where somebody made a decision that didn't turn out so well and they blame you for the decision? you got a lot of people, they'll come to you, and they want you to make a decision for them. But what God has sent to Israel was, and he sent it to us, that for every choice you make, there are consequences. So the consequences can never be mine for your choice. The consequences for your choice are your consequences. But there are some people that will make bad decisions, poor choices. And when things don't turn out right, they're looking for somebody to blame. God says, no, 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 no. I got heaven and I got earth as a witness against you that you made that choice. I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Now, God is also showing us in that verse that when we make decisions, they not only affect us, but they affect those that are close to us. They affect our descendants, our loved ones. And, and so there's power in making a choice. The first thing God did after he placed Adam and Eve in the garden was gave them the power of choice. Why did he give them the power of choice? Because he was certifying their personhood. God didn't make Adam and Eve to be robots or toy soldiers. He made them to be in his image and have this likeness to, be, to have free will to make choices and to think and make decisions. So he gave Adam and Eve the choice to do what's right or do what, what was wrong. They had the choice to obey him. 
Every one of us have a choice. Don't ever say you didn't have a choice. Yeah, you had a choice. Maybe there weren't good choices, but everybody has a choice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm talking about value-based decisions. What is a value-based decision? A value-based decision is a decision based on your values and your beliefs, or you might say the things you really believe. The things you really value, you make decisions based on those beliefs and value. Understanding that, that choice is in line with the Word of God. Understanding that, that choice keeps you in alignment with God's plan and purpose for your life. Understanding that that choice you make will also, in a practical way, make you a doer of God's Word. Can you say amen? That's what a value-based decision is. And God says, I am holding you responsible. And I have heaven and earth to witness against you for every choice you make, for every decision you make. So we're talking about value-based decisions. When God first brought Israel out of Egypt, he delivered them. And in, in, I believe it's Exodus chapter 19, God said to, to Israel, he spoke to Moses. He says, let them know, I am the Lord their God. And they are to obey me because I have brought them out of Egypt on the wings of eagle. I have brought them on eagle's wing. I brought them to myself. And I, will, I, I want them to be a, a peculiar treasure unto me of all people, for, of all nations, for all the earth is mine. How can Israel ever have done that? These people have been enslavement. How can they ever have become the people that God wanted to become? They needed tools. They needed power. And the tools and the power that God gave them was his commandment. So in the 20th chapter of Exodus, God speaks to Moses again. He calls Moses out of the mount. And Moses comes up into the mountain, and God speaks to him, and he says, Tell the, the Israelites that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That same God has brought us out of the darkness of Egypt of the world. That same God has delivered us from sin and shame. And he says to Moses, Tell them, that they shall not have no other God before me. And he begins to give them ten, the Ten Commandments. Why did God give them the Ten? What was the purpose of the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments. Now the Ten Commandments are the Ten Words of Moses. These are Ten Words of God that he gave to Moses to give to the people of God. But the Ten Commandments is also referred to as the Decalogue. The Decalogue which simply means 10. So God gave Israel 10 commandments. And the, the question is, why did God give them initially those 10 commandments? He gave them those 10 commandments so that they can make value-based decisions. He, they needed something to value, something to believe, something to go on. You cannot make decisions to be effective in life if all your decisions are willy-nilly. Come on, off the cuff. You have to make decisions based on who you are, what you believe, who you want to be. 
That's how you make decisions. So God says, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments as you shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol, any craven thing in the likeness of anything in the heavens, in the likeness of anything in the earth, or in the likeness of anything in the waters under the earth. God says you shall not do that. Then he gave them the third commandment. He says you shall not use the name of the Lord in vain. Then he gave them the fourth commandment. These are all commandments to help them develop their own values, to tell them what they ought to believe in. He says, remember that Sabbath day and keep it holy. Then he said, the fifth commandment, he said, you honor your father and your mother. And some of us have made some very bad decisions toward our parents because we didn't know no better. But God says you should value honoring your father and your mother. Then he wanted to say that you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. So what was the purpose of the Ten Commandments? God designed the Ten Commandments to lead his people into a life of practical holiness. Be ye holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. Huh? He gave them the Ten Commandments so that they would learn how to relate to God, how to relate to their fellow man, and how to make value-based decisions. <clears throat> now, there's two parts to the Ten Commandments. Two parts. When you look at the structure of the Ten Commandments, you have the first four commandments that has to do with man's duty to God. Then the second part of the Ten Commandments are six commandments, this is how it's structured, that outlines your duty to your fellow man. God is telling you how to live. He's telling you that I have called heaven and earth as witnesses against you, and I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And depending on what you decide, you're either going to invite life, more life into your life, or you're going to be inviting degrees of death and cursing. This is what God is telling Israel. So the thing about the Ten Commandments, nobody ever perfectly kept the Ten Commandments but Jesus. Think about that. Nobody but Jesus. Huh? Jesus was the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He preached that, he says, think not, think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. The fulfillment of the Ten Commandments is in Jesus. Our fulfillment of keeping these commandments will never be outside of Jesus. 
but it's only through Jesus and the finished work he done on the cross for us. And because of Jesus in my life, I can appropriate by faith that, yes, I am a keeper and I have kept the Ten Commandments through Christ as the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Now, because nobody ever kept the Ten Commandments but Jesus, I don't want anybody to think that's your excuse. Because nobody ever perfectly kept the Ten Commandments but Jesus, I don't want you to think the Ten Commandments are multiple choice. He gave us ten words, ten commandments. It is not multiple choice. In fact, in fact, one of the families in the church, in fact, it was, it was Bill and Julie Butler. They gave me a plaque one year, and I have it on, on the bookcase in my home office, and the plaque reads, the Ten Commandments are not multiple choice. Isn't that interesting how we pick and choose what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey? Isn't that interesting? But God says to Israel that they were to keep all of them, but they couldn't because they didn't have Jesus. We can because we have Jesus. And he is the fulfillment of everything in the law. Now, the law consisted of, we talk about the law all the time, but the law consisted of three, three areas. First of all, it was the Ten Commandments. Then it was God's judgments. And then the third area of the law are the ordinances or the statutes. That's all the law. And Jesus was the only one who kept the law. He was the fulfillment of that law. But it's not multiple choice. It's not multiple choice at all. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments teaches us how to relate in two ways, vertically and horizontally. How to relate to God. We relate to God in a vertical way. We relate to our fellow man in a horizontal way. So let me walk through these Ten Commandments and show you what I'm saying and give you an idea how to make value-based decisions. And when you make a value-based decision, you will never regret it. You will never regret it, be, regret it, and you have heaven and earth to witness that you ha never have to regret that decision. First commandment, God gave Israel through Moses. Now, again, these commandments were given. These commandments were given so that Israel could make value-based decisions. These are decision drivers. When you look at the Ten Commandments, they're decision drivers. So what's driving your decisions? What's driving? Is it, is it greed? Is it lust, fear? What's driving the decisions you make? So God gave Israel Ten Commandments to drive their decisions. And the first commandment he gave them, you shall have no other God before me. And we're not to take that lightly if we're going to make a value-based decision. Nothing and no one should come before God in our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about having your priorities in order. God shouldn't be number one in all of our lives. Number one in all of our lives. How could God be number one in your life if you refuse to begin your day with God? 
Now, when I say begin your day with God, I don't want you to get in bondage that you got to do this, that, or the other. But one thing you should do, you should wake up with him on your mind. Like the song said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on the Lord, stayed on Jesus. Do you wake up with a consciousness of the presence of God? Do you wake up every day that this is the day that the Lord hath made? Do you wake up every day acknowledging him to direct your steps that day? God has to be number one. He says you should have another God before me. And if you're making decisions where God becomes secondary, tertiary, or quaternary, or however far down the line, then you are not making a value-based decision. You are making decisions that's going to usher degrees of death in your life and degrees of curses. Nothing should be coming before God. Your wife, your spouse does not come before God. Your children don't become your house, your car. None of that stuff comes before God. Your money does not come before God. I'd rather have God than have money. Because at least if I got God, I know I can get some more money. But if I only have money, my money's going to run out. How many hear what I'm saying? Huh? Then the second commandment. You shall not make for yourselves any graven image. Don't have any idols. Don't make idols for yourselves. In the image of anything, whether it's in the likeness of something you think that's in heaven or the likeness of something you saw here in the earth or the likeness of something in the waters beneath the earth, God says, do not have any idols. What is it that we idolize? We decide to idolize. You can't make your job and your career an idol. You can't idolize anything or anyone. You have to make a decision that God is God and beside him there's none other. None other. And I will worship God and only him will I worship. And so we idolize the same things that cause us to put God out of first place, to bump God out of first place. Then he told him, the third thing he told him, he says, do not use my name in vain. How many of you have used his name in vain? Use his name in vain when you were cussing, when you were cursing, cursing and cussing, blaspheming. Use his name in vain, laughing at or telling a joke, trying to be funny, but you're using the, the name of the Lord in vain. God says, don't use my name in vain. Make a better choice than that. Make a better decision because my name is not an empty name. It's not a, it's not a name of vanity. To use his name in vain, you're saying, I don't value that name. That name is a name of emptiness. That name is a name that's useless. That's using his name in vain. But I believe there's power in that name. Glory to God. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. And I don't know how many times, just countless times, where I've been in a jam and all I could do is say in Jesus' name. And the Lord would bring me out because there's power in that name. How can you expect power to be in that name in your time of need when you have used that name in vain? 
at other times. How many hear what I'm saying? He says, honor my name. So when you make decisions, make sure you're honoring my name. Then he says, number four, word number four. This is what he's talking to Israel, telling Israel, telling Moses, give these things to Israel so they're not to live and be my people. Number four, commandment or word number four was, you shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, there's a lot of controversy over that one about the Sabbath day. Now, for the Jews, the Sabbath day was, the, was Saturday, beginning at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was the Jews' Sabbath. In fact, when we were in Israel, we saw firsthand how they observed the Sabbath because the hotel we we're staying in, it had two elevator shafts, two elevators. And on the Sabbath day, they would totally shut one elevator down. Guess the Gentiles can use the, the one. If you got tired of waiting for the one, you had to walk up the stairs or walk down the stairs from your room because that was their way of honoring the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath in the Old Testament, they were not to do any kind of servile work, no kind of labor. Huh? But we need to understand what Sabbath means. The word Sabbath simply means rest. It means rest and cessation from labor. That's all it means. But how many know our rest is in Jesus? That's what Hebrews teaches us, that our rest is in Jesus. Now, some people say, well, that's the Jewish Sabbath. But that's not the Christian Sabbath. First of all, the Bible doesn't talk about a Christian Sabbath. The Bible talks about on the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible talks about how John on the island of Patmos, he was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and that was the first day of the week, Sunday. And so that's why we worship as believers on Sunday. But that's not what the Sabbath is all about. How do we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? There is no actual commandment in the New Testament about keeping the Sabbath. I need you to stay with me. I'm going to break it down for you. I need you to stay with me. There is no commandment in the New Testament about keeping the Sabbath. You know why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Huh? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Jesus said to the Jews, he said, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man. He's Lord of the Sabbath. So how do we keep the Sabbath? How do we keep the Sabbath in and make it holy? Well, first of all, Sabbath also means Sabbath. Well, which seventh day? For the Jews, this was Saturday. Now for many Christians, it's Sunday. But the Bible doesn't say which seventh day should be the Sabbath day. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. But we do know, we do know the Sabbath means rest and release. We do know that. Our Sabbath is in Jesus. Whether you worship on one day or another, God doesn't esteem one day over another day. Paul told us that. He doesn't esteem one day over another day. Every day is the Sabbath for us.
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.